Do you think like a CEO? If you've never been a CEO, or if you've never had the opportunity to work closely with a highly effective CEO, you may not know what it even means to think like a CEO. And that's okay, because today, Deidre and Carmen are going to help us understand what it means to think like a CEO at a each stage of your business. Deidre and Carmen support women in the 40-plus crowd who are hungry to put their expertise to work to create the freedom and the impact that they know is waiting for them. So if you're just getting started or if your business is already in the grow-up stage, knowing how to think like a CEO will streamline your energy and allow you to be more consistent in your business. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we have Deidre and Carmen, and we're going to talk about what, what it takes to think like a CEO. But before we get into that, Deidre and Carmen, tell us a little bit about you and kind of what brings you to this conversation today. So I'll go first. This is Carmen. Uh, so we, you and I connected and had an excellent conversation and you're going to be on our podcast, which we're very excited about. And the reason why we just love this podcast swap and having these discussions is because you really touch on things that get to the heart of how to live authentically. And we feel the same way. So we felt a real synergy around that. And really, that's why we're here. We're here to have the conversation about, you know, how do we think like a CEO so that we can create the business that matches and aligns with what it is we want? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen, for being here. Deidre, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So I am a certified public accountant but I'm, I've repurposed myself. So okay. no more, no more tax seasons for me. <laughs> I'm happy to answer questions, but I'm not doing the actual returns. Yeah. Um, and so I spent over 20 years in public accounting and I was very fortunate to get into the business side of it. I was working with small business owners. So I did that for most of my career and I was able to work at all the different areas of public accounting. So it really gave me this great foundation on business know-how. And I didn't know that I knew all that until I decided to become an entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh, I can do more than just, you know, tax returns and financial reports. And so I really had this passion to serve in a bigger way. I mean, serving um, as an accountant is still serving, but there was all of the, you know, it's basically corporate wow. and there's all this stuff that goes on with corporate and I really wasn't able to live the life I wanted. I thought I would be able to through that and it wasn't happening. And so I decided that I really wanted to have freedom. For me, freedom in my life was the most important thing, freedom to live how I chose, freedom to make my own mistakes and learn from them. I wanted all of it. And so that's really when I decided to become and pursue uh, full-time entrepreneurship. And so I was, um, coaching and consulting. And then I met Carmen and it was like divine intervention that we met and we were so well aligned and had the same vision. We were at the same place in our business. And so we decided to take our um, expertise, which was really very um, uh, symbiotic 
with what each of us could bring to the table. And so we were able to build our business Encore Empire. Wow. You know, as I hear you describe your story about, you know, I knew accounting and that you were learning business, but you weren't aware of it. I think that there, it's interesting moving into a business, like you move into a business because you have a product or a service that you're good at, and then you have to learn how to do the business side of things. Um, and you know, of course that makes sense, but I think it's also easy to overlook it, right? Especially for passion-driven um, entrepreneurs who have a skill or a talent or something that they really wanna share, but they don't have the, the guidance to really help them build that business side of things. That's right. And, you know, like Deidre, I started out in corporate. I had a marketing career for decades and I got burnt out and I wanted to do something that lit me up. And it was the same thing. I, I knew I had the skill set. I knew I had marketable skill set. So let's get out and do this thing and figure this thing out. But then a lot of things came up. And that's really why we want to talk about how to think like a CEO, because especially if you're coming from the corporate environment, your thought processes need to be different. You need to shift them. Mindset needs to change. And so through my journey, I helped uh, local brick and mortar business owners learn social media marketing. That was one of my first iterations. And then I helped midlife women help find their, discover their passion, their purpose. But at the whole time, what I really craved was helping women learn how to start a business because that's what I was focused on. And that's what was lighting me up. And I didn't, I felt kind of, I had imposter syndrome. I had a lot of business knowledge, but I just wasn't sure how this was going to work. And then when I met Deidre, the CPA, it was like, ah, the light, you know, heavens opened up, the light came down. It was like, oh, there we go. So it was perfect. And we just had such the same thing, but, but it's true. We learn a lot and all of that is not wasted. I think I want to say that as well, because a lot of times people think, and this is one of the reasons why Deidre and I love working with women over 40. They think that the best of their life is behind them. They, they climb that corporate ladder. They did the thing. And now what could they possibly have to offer? But everything you've been through and you've gone through is valuable and can be applied to what it is you want to do next. Yeah. And as you're telling that story, I'm thinking back to my first clients when I started coaching entrepreneurs, because I started leadership coaching and public education and then had a chance to move uh, to work with entrepreneurs. And most of my clients were women between the ages of 45 and 65. And there was a lot of this question about why am I doing this? I don't even know what I'm doing. And um, so actually, that is why this podcast started originally about two years ago, because I, I was hearing these stories from my clients about, oh, this, this conflict came up or this challenge came up, and that just must mean that I'm not good enough at this, or I'm just not ready for this yet. Or, and you know, there was a lot of being ready. And I was hearing that in my own voice too, because I'm saying to my own coaches, well, I'm not ready for that yet, <laughs> right? And so I created this podcast originally because I wanted the listeners to say, look, just because you're, chall you're challenged or you're finding challenges along this path, congratulations. That is the path that you have chosen. And every challenge isn't in, uh, evidence that you shouldn't be here or that you can't be here. This is an opportunity to really grow. Who knew that entrepreneurship was a personal development program? <laughs> So help us 
regardless of where the listener is, maybe they've been a CEO for 10 years or more already, or, or maybe they're somewhere in the um, business building where they're really still focused on what their products or, or services are and learning the business side of things, but haven't really created that image of themselves as a CEO. Where do we start this conversation? Yeah, and that's such a great point, Mary. So first, let's talk about the stage of business. And that's the key is that you have to be able to identify what stage of business are you in. Now, when you're in startup, you know it for sure. <laughs> right. There's no question about it. Right. But but we get into these other stages. And so we have a, we have terms for um, the different stages. It's startup, fix up and grow up. So it's kind of an easy way to remember. So the, we start in that startup. And then as we're moving out of startup, like we're, we're not brand, brand new and we're starting to get some traction. So then we get into this fix up because then what's happened is that all this work you've done and all the things you've put into place, about half of them aren't really working properly mm -hmm. and you're bottlenecking yourself and, you know, all these, like all these things start to happen and you get into this messy middle piece. And this is where the real frustration comes in. Like you, you switched your frustration from, I don't know what I'm doing to, I kind of sort of know what I'm doing, but now I've got a mess on my hands. Yeah. And then when we can get past that stage, then we're in this grow up stage. And that's kind of where most people are shooting for, right? It's like, let me get to that stage of where everything's pretty well working. And now I can just take all this energy and time and money I've put into this and let's scale it up to where I'm earning more without working more. So that's kind of the place we all want to kind of get to. Right. And then that can look like whatever you want it to look like. And so, you know, this CEO mindset, of course, the earlier you recognize this, the better. And that's why we feel this conversation is so important is that just like Carmen said, you have to first recognize that the thinking you had in corporate or your vocation or whatever you've done up to this point is not the same kind of perspective and thinking you have to do at this stage. And uh, I think a lot of women, we work with a lot of women who are solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, they may be on solo or have a small team, but they still, they're the one that's leading the company and making all the decisions. And that means you're the CEO. So that's pretty much your role. And the CEO role, which is like the most critical role of the whole entire company, gets put off to the side and they're not spending time. They're spending time in the other roles, the administrative role, the marketing role, the sales role, all these things. And that's the big challenge is we have to be able to balance that all out, not exactly the same amount of time in every area, but this is where strategy comes in because you're foundational business strategy is what informs you how much time should I be spending in these areas? What needs to be done and which area do I need to be focused on? And what are those activities? Mm -hmm. And so what, learning that process is the beginning of learning to have that CEO mindset. Yeah. And I will just add that the CEO mindset is based on strategy, right? What Deirdre just talked about. A CEO, if you think about what a CEO does, they look at the business ob objectively, right? They are looking at the whole business, not getting stuck in the day-to-day. -day. And so it's really a matter of learning how to shift your viewpoint and your vantage point. And you need to see all viewpoints and vantage points. But the other thing the CEO mindset does is it removes the emotion from the situation 
and allows you to view what's happening objectively. So that is key right there. As I don't know that it's only to women, I'm only a woman, so I know what happens to me and with our clients is that we can get sucked into a negative mindset or imposter syndrome or whatever for the slightest thing. And really that has no business there. We need to set that aside. And so the CEO mindset says, okay, I'm feeling this way. Let's look at the, either the data, the business, the strategy, where are we going? How is it working? You've got to get into that whole uh, tracking, measuring, analyzing, and optimizing. And that helps you elevate out of that kind of pit of despair of emotional reaction to things because we don't, that does not help us move our business forward. It doesn't help us personally either. So the CEO mindset helps elevate us out of that. And again, it removes the emotion. So we're looking at the business as a CEO instead of allowing our personal feelings to guide and dictate our next steps. Okay. So I, I think that what I would like to do is to talk about at each one of these stages, the startup, the fix up and the grow up. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about what a CEO looks like at each one of these levels. So again, as a listener, regardless of where you are on this continuum, you're going to find your spot here. So let's start with startups. What is, what is the ideal kind of mindset or, or, um, yeah, mindset that a, maybe it's a solopreneur, um, maybe you've got a little bit of team, but you're definitely in that startup phase. What, what is it that we should be keeping top of mind? Yeah, so I think a, a few of the key things that this, and this comes from our experience with our clients. It's not only our experience, but what we've seen um, over all of the clients that we've worked with, and there's some themes that run through these different stages. And so I think one of the first areas is really, starting to set aside the time, the CEO time is what we call it. And every single week, there has to be time set aside for the planning part. In the startup phase, there's so much to do. And you're and it typically becomes very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have that time and to start and make it a habit to where you're always going to do it, where you're sitting down and you're giving yourself the time and space to think through and plan what does your week look like? What will you be focused on? We also, we don't really start with the week. There's also the, uh, you know, the annual uh, goals. Everybody has heard about that. But then it's about really pulling that into your week. And we do that through quarterly planning. So we always have this quarterly strategy planning time. And we do this with our clients. And we do it for ourselves too. Because we have to break down the big, giant, hairy, goals down into manageable pieces. And depending on what your background is, you may or may not know how to do this. Like right. we assume everybody knows how, and there's like tons of information about it, but sometimes all that tons of information is just that, and it's not implementable. And so we really help build the framework that helps everyone make it to where it's doable and it, they understand what they're doing. And, and it's like they're uh, roadmap, you know, to what they need to be focused on. So when all the other things come at you, you have this kind of anchor to bring yourself back to what are those priority areas. And, you know, as far as what are the priorities in the startup, 
it really depends on the business, the expertise and who you're helping and how. And one of the ways we've created our coaching programs is that we've made them very customizable. We customize for every single client because there's too many cookie cutter uh, systems out there, right? And then you have, then on top of everything else you've got going, you have to then figure out how to fit yourself into that system that was not designed for you. And so that is really very difficult, if not impossible. Um, and then a secondary part of that CEO mindset in the startup phase is learning the business of business. Mm -hmm. Because just like you said, Mary, we don't, unless that's been your background and you have an MBA or you've been a, you know, in upper management somewhere, you're not coming in with all that. And we just kind of, gloss over it and go, oh, you'll figure it out. Yeah. But it's not really one of those things that you, I mean, yes, you can, but it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to be frustrating. And I think this is where so many biz, so many entrepreneurs end up giving up because right. they, they're, they don't understand that they need expert guidance because mm -hmm. this is a new concept for them. Right. And, and they're like, wow, I have to pay to get someone to help me. But that is part of business. And if you look at all successful businesses, they're paying people to do stuff that they don't know how to do. And that's just a part of it. Yeah. And then for the, when we go to the fix up stage, as Deirdre alluded to previously, you know, you've made it through the startup stage and Yahoo, that is awesome. You've done the hard knocks, you've learned, you've fallen down, you've picked yourself up and you are, you're pushing through and this should be celebrated for sure. So then at the fix up stage, what we want to do is now we want to look at what is working and what is not. And we want to optimize. We are big fans of rinse and repeat systems. So whether it is you have one offer or two or whatever it is, now it's time to hone in on that one offer, let's say, and how are you getting people to the offer? Now you're looking at your system. What is your client journey? How have they been coming? Are you looking at how you got your last five or 10 clients? What is that data telling you? It's now time to start looking at data, if not previous to this. Mm -hmm. But we start looking at what have we done, what isn't working, what is working, and let's do more of what is working. And then we keep it simple. And I think this is where people get, they can get off the rails because un unless you start adapting that CEO mindset where it's like, I'm going to master this one offer the way that I get people in, how I deliver it, how I, you know, ascend people into something else or whatever, your whole process. Until I master that, I'm not going to do anything else. But what typically can happen and what people fall into the trap of is, well, I ran a workshop or a challenge or a masterclass and it didn't work. So now I'm going to try something else. And then I'm going to try something else. And then I'm going to try something else. And when you do that, you are complicating, you know, tenfold everything that you're doing, because any little thing that we do requires its own system, right? It requires its own marketing. It requires its own lead generation. It requires its own sales. So we want to focus on the one thing. What do you want to be known for and systematize that and stay focused there so that you can make it to the grow up stage? Oh my gosh, that whole experience of staying focused I don't know how many people I talk to, and I'm guilty of this myself, of the shiny object syndrome. 
like, oh, I tried this. It didn't get me the results that I really wanted. What I really need is this over here, right? Um, and then we try that and, and maybe we haven't fully committed to this one process. So we're doing this and 10 other things. And so none of these things get done well. Yeah, because maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too, uh, uh, you know, no, sharing no. my own story here, but that's, that's, it. that's exactly what we see. And it's because yeah. people don't go deep enough and they don't let something ride long enough. We say to run something six times or six months, whichever you need to collect the data, you have to collect data. And that's where we get, you know, we get back into that CEO mindset. We're looking at something other than oh, this didn't work, or oh, they didn't like it, or oh, you can't just guess. CEOs don't guess. They plan, they execute, they review the data, and then they they let the data tell them what the next step is. So that's the difference. And, and honestly, most people don't give things enough time. And like Deirdre mentioned before, the getting the guidance, the expert guidance to get this done. I mean, you can do all of this on your own. It's going to take you 10 times longer on your own but if you invest in the right guidance, you can, it's, you know, why make it more difficult than it has to be? Yeah. Well, and to that point of investing, like you can either invest in someone who has a system that can be customizable for you and for your business, or you can chase the shiny objects and see which ones you, you know, resonate with, which sticks for you and, and go that route. Either way, you're spending money. So decide where you're going to get the best return on your investment, um, uh, where you want to put your money at. So let's maybe jump to the, um, the grow up phase for the CEO, because I want to come back to some things here. But let's finish this describing what it looks like as a CEO at that, that grow up stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and before we dive into that, Mary, that point you just made about, you know, you're going to, you're investing in something yeah. and you're investing your money. But another thing that I don't think people realize it's they're investing their time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that entrepreneurs are valuing their time enough. So they're willing to go spend time on something that's going to take them five times longer than if they had just gotten someone to guide them through in the first place. And part of that CEO mindset is learning to value your time and realize, you know, are you, are, if you're worth about, you know, $500 an hour in your role as the CEO, are you doing $10 things, $10 an hour every single day? Right. Because if you are, this is how we prevent ourselves from getting into grow up to begin with. So you have to have this sense of, am I doing those high value things that only I can do? And then realizing, okay, if I'm, if there's more I need to do in my role, but I can't do everything because, you know, as we're getting through this fix up stage, what's happening is we're getting more and more clients, revenues coming up, Yahoo. However, we're now spending time on client activities and front facing activities that we didn't have to do in the startup stage because we didn't have any clients. So we had all this time, right, to do the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So we think that magically time will expand and we can just do more, but you cannot. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to then prioritize and say, now I need to understand what, what do my prices need to be? And this is a big area of problems for a lot of women is the pricing part. We're pricing based on a gut feeling, based on what we saw somebody else pricing, but we really now have to get into the financial part of this and 
look at our forecast. What does the business need? And what does it need, not tomorrow, but a year from now? What are all the things I need? Who are the team members I need to have in place? Or who are the experts I need to hire in order for me to reach the next level? And what does that cost? Mm -hmm. And then we are then pricing and creating a strategy to meet that goal. A lot of times the, the whole revenue sales plan is, well, I want to make as much as I can. Well, that's yeah. not really a plan. <laughs> we have to have some targets, right? We have to say, this is what we need. This is the optimal model of revenue to cover our expenses and to pay me what I'd like to be paid. Um, and then we are tracking that every single month, if not every single week or two weeks to make sure that we are on target. And I think that is the key. That's the key that unlocks the door to the growth part. Okay. Well, and I, as you're talking about the data and, and I can recall, especially working um, with real estate agents and we're talking about how many calls did you make? How many appointments did you set? Right. We had our data sets and in so many of those real estate clients um, were I don't what's the word I want to use avoidance of data like I, I remember I would have clients come start working with me and say Mary I don't know how you're going to help me grow my business but we're not going to talk about numbers like well that's gonna be a challenge yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so how how do you help your clients be, get comfortable with data well, and it starts with just having them start tracking things like you just talked about. How many calls did you get on? How many of those calls converted? I remember one gal came in and she was, she had an award-winning uh, branding uh, agency at one point. And then she went online and things changed. And she was like, I can't make a sale for, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing everything the same, but it's not working. And so when we worked with her, she would be like, well, I have been reaching out to five or 10 people a week. And we're like, well, but you aren't tracking it. So let's start tracking it and just see. And it turns out we think in our mind, we're doing all this stuff, but really she was only reaching out to maybe five people a week and mm -hmm. we needed to increase that. Once she started doing that, then what the, what happens is there's almost always resistance to the numbers, the tracking and the data. I think from everybody, it's not sexy. It's not fun. People would rather create something on Canva or figure out what their next launch is going to be or something like that, because that's a lot more fun, right? But those things are not going to tell you, they're not going to inform what you should do. So this is where we get back into the CEO mindset. If you're going to follow a whim because it feels good emotionally or someone else is doing it and you want to copy what they're doing, that's fine, but you're not in the CEO mindset. So we need to look at what activities are we doing and what results are those activities bringing? So essentially we start out with spreadsheets for people to track this stuff. And once they start seeing, okay, it takes me, you know, 10 calls to convert two clients. Well, now suddenly tracking is great because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm at eight. I know if I do two more, I'm going to get two clients. You know, they know exactly what it takes and that helps you forecasting wise as well, because we can't, everything can't just be a big giant question mark in front of us. Like, I don't know. I'm going to just hop on calls and hopefully make sales. It's we want to know how many calls does it take or how many uh, conversion events we call them when we have a workshop or a, a challenge or something like that, where you're doing a one to many conversion event. How many people do you have to get to that event? How many people need to engage for you to be able to make the sales that you need? We have to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
yes, it might be something you resist, but honestly, your numbers will become your best friend once you push through that resistance. And it can, it can start simple. It can start with how many calls are you making and how many sales are you making? Like track those at first. We track things anyway, but we just don't, when we talk about looking at a spreadsheet or something like that, it becomes a little bit overwhelming, but you know, we know how many people, if you have a Facebook group or something like that, how many people are in your group, how many people are on your email list, you know, these numbers, cause you're dealing with those platforms. So now it's like, let's just formalize that process a little bit. So you have a quote unquote dashboard to go to and look at a glance and see what did I do? How much did I grow? What caused that growth? Because mm -hmm. we need to know what is causing the growth so we can lean into what's working and what's not and lean away from what's not. Definitely. Um, data too, even in public education, when I was coaching leadership teams there, like there's, there's just this resistance to data. And I think part of it is, and I know I'll speak for myself, it doesn't lie. You know, if I, I want to tell my coach, I made 10 calls this week. Well, let's look at your data. Hmm. No, let's not. <laughs> right. It doesn't lie. Um, but that, that is also, I think what it does for us, as you're saying, we can, we can look at that data and make meaning, whatever meaning we want from that data, uh, whatever meaning is going to be valuable to us that we can use then to make decisions, um, as we move forward. But the other thing that is occurring to me as you're describing you know, using the data, if we're in this space where we're working um, on our business and we're looking at the data and, and making the strategic decisions based on what we're seeing in the data, we have less, as, as Deidre was talking earlier, our, our ratio of time in the business versus on the business is shifting. What's the hardest part about that shift sometimes? So one of the hardest shifts is letting go because we want to hold on to everything. We want to continue to do everything and continue to have our hands in everything and can control all of it. So we really first have to come to this idea that I can't do it all mm -hmm. and I can't control everything. And so then we then have to look for, okay, does this really have to get done? Because, you know, there are things that we do like on day one of our business that we may not even need to do anymore, right? Mm -hmm. There could be a better way, a different way, or it may, again, if our data tells us it's not working, well, then just don't do it. Mm -hmm. So then we look at, okay, here's what has to get done. So we have to kind of get down to the core activities. And then we have to know, um, you know, what are these things that I can hand off to someone else? So this is where it's it's kind of a big decision. And we kind of look at it as there's, it's a crossroads. And the, the business owner has to make a decision what does your business model look like in the next five years? And you can either go the boutique model. This is the one where they're like, I don't want a whole bunch of people. I didn't get into this to be middle man, you know, to be man a manager of everybody. And I don't want to do that. Um, and that's totally fine. Then we have the people that go, you know what? I really want to scale it. I want to, I only want to really want to work about 20 hours a week, but I want to earn more money. Mm -hmm. So then that is the whole, um, that is a, that's what we call building your empire, right? Because it's going to look more like a, an empire because it's not just you. You've got a, some people that are supporting you. So you get to choose which path you want to go down. You can always change your mind later, move to the other one. That's fine. But for those that are going the boutique path, 
and they really want to keep it small and they want to, you know, not have a whole bunch of people that they, they will still need some help, but that's where pricing comes in. And this is where branding comes in because you have to really elevate yourself and you have to be doing a very high ticket offer and really niching down and getting very specific on who it is you're helping because the more niche you are, the more referable you are. And then you don't have to have this giant marketing engine behind you. If you're going the build the empire path, you need a much bigger marketing machine going because you're going to need more numbers. You don't have to charge as high of a price. So that can, depending on, you know, whether you're coaching or consulting or you want to put some courses together, whatever that looks like, and that will inform what that marketing strategy is. So that is, um, that's really that decision piece that has to be made on where are you going to go with the business? And then you then build out that strategy, go, okay, I know what needs to be done in these areas and you're kind of laying it out, but then you are either getting the people in that can do that for you and to help you. Or again, you're just eliminating and you're really kind of getting down to the core things and having that one sales strategy, the one marketing strategy that you need in order to get those ideal clients um, that are going to pay that higher price. It's going to support the business that you want. Yeah, I, I, of course, there's the the boutique and, and uh, the more expansion route. Um, is that a difficult decision for people to make or do they kind of know where they think they want to be? I think people typically know. Uh, I I do. I will say that something that I see happen that we've seen happen before that can be a problem is that people sometimes when you're in that fix up stage, we've seen people want to be in grow up, and so they prematurely hire contractors or a team when they don't need them yet because it makes them feel like a CEO. Here's the other thing about mindset. If we bring people on when we're not ready, we're just wasting money and time and we can't, we can't do that. So it, I think typically people understand what they want to do. And once we start working with our clients and we get into the nitty gritty of what do each of these paths look like for them? What is their bandwidth? They usually know that I, I'm really, uh, interested in working one-on-one -on -one with people. I'm not interested in creating a big thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think we have maybe one person, if that, that wants to go the bigger scaling route. Uh, and scaling also can look a lot different. There are different levels of scale. You know, there, like Deidre and I plan on scaling to an extent, but we're not going to be, I don't want to be like Amy Porterfield or something like that, where you've got a huge team and all this stuff and you're a big, giant, multi-million millionaire. I mean, sure, that might sound nice, but there's a lot that goes into all of that. So you kind of have to look at, and like Deidre said, you can, you can make a decision and change it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what happens is as you go along and as you get into action and as you're serving your clients, whoever you decide to serve, all of that is going to help re reveal what it is you want more. You're going to come into I love this. I don't love this. I want more of this. I don't want more of this. And maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe you'll surprise yourself and say, well, I thought I wanted to do this, or I can still keep my one-on-one -on -one aspect, but if I hire support coaches or what support other ways that I can work with clients or a team that can help work with clients, I can scale a little bit more. So maybe I want to try that. I mean, it's very personal and it, it also does depend on 
being in action. And I think that's that's mm -hmm. a big piece of all of this is in order to get the data, you have to be in action. We can't sit and let procrastination or imposter syndrome or any of that shiny object syndrome or any of that detour us from our main goal. And that's why Deirdre talked about earlier, you know, the annual goal, the quarterly goals, the, the weekly goals. We like to help our clients stick to a path because you've got to, again, it's that we have to put enough time into something to see, and we have to be in action to see. So that was a really long answer to your question. I think <laughs> typically people know, and it's really by being in action that it helps, it helps you dictate what it is you do or do not want to do. Yeah. And, and I think too, it's possible that could be one of the visions that we create for ourselves, you know, even at that startup phase, I'm going to be the next Amy Porterfield or, or, you know, I'm going to blow things up. Right. But if we haven't really walked that path yet, we don't even know what that's going to mean to blow things up and what that would mean to us personally. And what that would mean to, to our business and, and the people that are supporting our business. Like we have no idea. <laughs> There's no way to know. That's right. And you know, another part of this, Mary, is we, it's like you said in the very beginning, this is a personal development course, right? Like yeah. the greatest of all time. Right. And through it, we, we learn, we, be, we know ourselves a lot better than we did when we started. So we get to know ourselves because we, we can initially, you know, create this vision of what we think we want, yeah. but it is through the journey that really informs us and helps us get to know ourselves and through this process. And one of the things we feel really strongly about is we have a, a holistic approach to business, which is a little bit different than some of the MBAs out there to where, you know, we are still people. We need to have the CEO mindset that is detached and it is um, taking care of what the business needs outside of ourselves, but we are still a whole person. And so we have to then put these two things together. And one of the big pieces is understanding our own values mm -hmm. and really starting with what do we want our life to look like? We have to start there. The business is, exists to support the life we want right. and to support this passion we have and to create an impact. But it does not have to be this... Um, I think people think that it has to be this, you know, oh, I'm going to have to put my life on hold and, you know, I got to go all in. Um, it can be something, it can be on whatever time frame you want. You know, it, it really is what you want it to be. And so we have to start with that and with those values and with our own personal purpose in life. And then that will then help inform what does the business look like? What does it need to be? Yeah, I am so glad that you brought that up because at the very beginning, um, I think Carmen made, uh, you were talking about, you know, being very objective and removing bias. And I have to say, it just, it, it kind of like, oh, that kind of struck me because I think that's what we do a lot, right? We just strip down all of the emotions. We strip down all of that human centric stuff and focus on the data, focus on the systems. I'm guilty of that. I love systems. I love looking at data. And as a leader, I didn't want to deal with the emotions. I didn't want to deal with the people side of things. Just do it. Right? Here's the vision. Here's the path that we're going to take to get here. Here's your role on that path. Now let's do it. Now I can hear myself say that and say, wow, that's really wicked. <laughs> but, but that's where I was. Um, that's what I thought that a leader or a CEO 
would do. And so I'm glad that you brought in this human side of us because I also see, and not only in my clients, but in these, you know, these communities of, of business owners and founders where they put everything into their business and they put their ev literally everything ahead of themselves. And so in the end, they have completely denied any of their own needs, thinking that was an investment that they needed to make for the business. But maybe they, they get to their success that they wanted to, but maybe they don't. But ultimately, they their relationships may be damaged in the process. Their health may be compromised in the process. They may not have grown or, or have gotten their profit uh, where they want because their, their money isn't being used as efficiently as it could. So I think, talk, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing with your clients in terms of how do we keep ourselves in this process and not just strip it down to the, the data and, and they're all being in our head. Yeah. So, you know, we're not at all saying that we just forget about ourselves. We're talking about in the CEO mindset, like you said, when we're thinking like a CEO, however, I'm a certified whole person coach. And that means that as Deidre mentioned, we have a holistic approach. We, I don't believe that you can build a business and ignore the rest of it. Like, let's look at your life as a pie, right? You've got your, your needs, your family, um, exercise, whatever it is, rest, business, it's all a pie. We can't just focus on one piece of the pie and expect to have lasting results. You cannot do that for all the reasons you just mentioned, Mary. And so we are about, we're as much about pulling intuition in mm -hmm. as we are about following the data. Because we believe that we are, you know, uh, empowered people and we are. And so our clients are the same way. So a lot of times what we're helping our clients with is also giving them permission to either not do the things. The data, it, it's not like we're saying just become a robot and look at the data. The data can tell you what you don't need to keep doing anymore, right? And that's part of it. Like a lot of times what we we give our clients permission to, you don't have to do that anymore. And they're like, really? Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> it's like, right. And whether or not that came for data or it's just through talking with them. And they're like, well, I feel like I have to do whatever, let's say I have to post on Instagram, you know, seven times a week because so-and-so said that. Right. And we're like, well, let's look at, here's where we get, here's where we combine both of them. Okay. Well, let's look at your audience. Is your audience even on Instagram and what is your goal for your business? And does that align? Mm -hmm. And even if they are on Instagram, we believe in relationship marketing more than anything else. Social media presence we need to have because when people learn about you and they Google you and they look up, we want people to see that there's relevant content out there. But we don't believe in you have to kill yourself by posting and being some content machine until you want to cry in the corner. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And we also very firmly believe in putting yourself first. So one of the things we help our clients with is understanding how to build out your calendar so that you have time built in. So for instance, <clears throat> Deirdre and I, we do our front-facing activities Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the first three weeks of every month. Monday is our CEO date where we meet and we do that kind of stuff. Friday is our focus day. So those are not front-facing days. We get our work done, but it's it's like we've set time aside to be able to focus on these things. And then the fourth week of every month, 
no one can get on our calendar because that gives us again it's like we have to put our needs first if you're not you're going to burn yourself out so it's all about creating that balance and that's one of the things we love most i think is coming up with what where is someone leaning too far to one side or the other because of something they heard, read, believed. And like, let's examine those and look at, well, what is really true for you and what matters most to you? Because you can create anything. You can create absolutely anything. You just have to know what that is. And then that's why the values like Deirdre talked about are so important so that you can check back in along the way along with the data and along with how you're feeling and what's draining your energy. The other piece is you can tell a lot by with the tasks and activities you're doing. Are you, you know, dreading doing them? You know, is it draining your energy instead of lighting you up? Now there's always going to be tasks we have to do that we don't necessarily like, like, you know, we have to do dishes at home. <laughs> that doesn't light me up, but you know, whatever. But, um, we look at that because you cannot be doing something just because someone said you should do it if it's draining all your energy because you will not be showing up in the way that you want to or that your audience needs you to. And it, it's a sign that you're not in alignment and that you've lost touch with your values. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back. I, I feel like we've gone full circle. We started out in the head with strategy and 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 you know our frameworks of where are we at in the process. And then I love this closing of coming back is we we are not leaving ourselves out of this equation. Uh, we it, in fact we have to make sure we you can't. I love that phrase. You can't uh, pour from an empty cup. Um, if you as the CEO is have drained all of your energy, you're not a you're not going to be able to do what your business needs. You're not going to be able to be who your family wants and needs you to be. And you're not going to be able to do that for yourself. Yeah, and I think the, you know, one last thing to think about in that um, thought process is we have to always go back and remind ourselves on a continual basis why we're doing this to begin with. Why did we, because we get so caught up in all the things that have to get done and all the business part of it, but we have to have that time where we're always reminding ourselves, why did you start this in the first place? What, what was that spark that really made you decide, yes, I'm going for this. And we have to remember that and hold on to it because that, that almost never changes for us, right? right. Like for me, it was freedom. And I have it, you know, I have it in various places and, and I read it in my affirmations and, and everything because, and then I always ask myself, is what I'm doing supporting the reason I started this in the beginning? Yeah. I love it that we're actually, uh, so, so many times we do values because somebody said we should, and then we can say, oh, I've done my values. And then we never use them to make any decisions. And maybe even forgot what are your values oh i don't know i i got them i've got them on a list somewhere right and get back to you on that so yes use know your values because those values whether you know it or not are driving how you make decisions that's right and a lot of times when something isn't working or it doesn't feel right i mean feelings we're not trying to say feelings don't count but that's a sign that something's off and most of the time it is either 
you you have not set a boundary to protect your mm -hmm. own self or your energy or you're out of alignment with your values. And it is very important to be in alignment with your values. And it, it's not just some pie in the sky exercise that we do once. It's something that we, like Deidre said, why did we get into this? Like, if you don't build your business with the understanding that it is supporting these values that makes, that matter to you, family, freedom, uh, autonomy, whatever those things are, you need to touch base with that to make sure you're on track. They're like our, our you know, training wheels or our guide, our guideposts or something. And, and if we get out of touch with them, then we, we get off the rails and pretty soon you find yourself miserable and you're like, what happened? You know? Yeah. Well, as we close, I want to just bring out two things that I heard you both you talk about today um, in terms of how to use our time. The first, I think Deidre, you mentioned this on your weekly planning. Um, I have implemented this every Friday, nine o'clock is my time for planning. I've got my little spreadsheet, my, I don't have a spreadsheet, but I have my, uh, worksheets that I fill in and I love to write. Like, I don't remember when I type things, but if I physically write them, somehow it, it connects with me more. That time has been so valuable to me because it keeps, it, it kind of pulls me back from getting caught up in the rat race right? There's so much to do, so much to do, so much to do. Um, and when I come back to that every Friday, it's like, oh, there's really not that much to do because all of these other things are shiny objects and I don't really need to focus on that right now, <laughs> right? This is what all I really have to focus on is this. The other piece, I think, Carmen, you mentioned this, is protecting at least one week of the month of your calendar. It doesn't mean you're not working. It doesn't mean that you're not still engaging with, I still see my clients during that week, but I do block out one week every month. No one else has access to my calendar. And what, what I'm able to do during that week, that's almost like that Friday nine o'clock time expanded for me for that whole week. So I still, you know, I'm still doing my coaching. I'm still doing my, my front facing things, but all the rest of the time that I would have given away to others, I'm now using for myself. And that has been a gift to myself that I will never give that back. That will always be on my calendar. In fact, I was just going through my, my contract. Like I have weeks of the month or weeks out of the year. Those, there will be no coaching on these weeks, right? It just how it's going to be. And, and I think that as an entrepreneur, sometimes we feel like we don't have control over our calendar. Like everybody else has, has got control over it. But I think that that is such a powerful strategy, powerful tool, whatever you want to call it, that keeps me grounded, keeps me from running off on things, gives me time to actually think about things um, and make more intentional decisions rather than maybe just jumping on things and being impulsive. Definitely. I, I agree. I mean, and, and I'll never give that week up either. And it's sometimes if we're having a really busy month or a couple months, you forget that that's coming up. And then it's like, oh, thank goodness that week's coming. <laughs> it is. It's like breathing. I can breathe. Yeah. yeah. And because I think we would run ourselves into the ground because typically entrepreneurs are very ambitious. We want to get a ton done. And so we'll just keep going and going and going without understanding to put the brakes on. And the way you described it, Mary, is exactly right. Like when you have that time, your every Friday time is our every Monday time where we're, we're working on the business where we're looking at what is happening, what do we need to do, all that kind of stuff. And then that, that week is that expanded time. And it's, it is, it's not like you're not working, but on the other hand, 
if you're going to have a vacation all of a sudden, I always know the fourth week of the month I can take off because no, no one has my calendar. It's awesome. It is. Well, thank you so much for both of you for being here, for sharing your wisdom and guidance with us today. Where can the listeners find more about you? All right. So the hub of all of it is our website, and that's EncoreEmpire.com. We are also on Facebook. We have a free community of ambitious female entrepreneurs, and that is the Empire of Unstoppable Women. So we invite you to join us there. Um, and we do our community as value-packed. We've got tons and tons of training. Um, we believe in giving as much as we can, and it's all, it's, it's fluff free. It is truly um, the business of business, all the things that you need to know to grow your business, um, because we want everyone. Our One of our um, missions is to make um, access to the experts accessible. And when you, we know that when you are first starting out in your business, um, you do need to have some free stuff. I mean, you, you've got to, because there, there's no revenue coming in. Um, and a lot of women, you know, we, we have to self-fund a lot of the time, but then the key to that is that you start off with that, but then as you're progressing, one of your first priorities is get the expert assistance that you need, whether it is um, someone to help you with your website or whether it is someone to um, be your personal assistant, or if you are, if you don't know the business of business, get that guidance. It's sort of like um, going through a really messy divorce and not having an attorney, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get the paper, but it may not turn out like you really want. So Ooh, um, that is a powerful <laughs> metaphor, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Carmen, anything else that you would add? Uh, well, I would love to invite people to our marketing methodology workshop, which is a free workshop that we host every eight weeks. So whenever you're listening to this, you yeah. can head over to EncoreEmpire.com forward slash MMW for marketing methodology workshop. And that is something where we help everyone figure out and map out your content plan for the next 12 months using our simple three-step system. So our attendees love it. And it's something that when we're talking about the energy, Dieter and I, it lights us up every single time. So we look forward to that and we would love for people to join us there. Very exciting. Once again, thank you both to both of you um, for everything, not only what you've done for us here today, but for the work that you're doing and, and for the clients that you're serving. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We, we really appreciate it, Mary. Thank you, Mary. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact, and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.